But about two years ago, I was raped. There's a lot of anger. We're not being manly enough. There are two ideas about safe spaces. My understanding of the world changed. And I felt numb. Are you a man or a mouse? I was alone. I couldn't bring myself to say it. I was lost. All I wanted was to be able to share my experience, what was happening to me with someone. Hey everyone, welcome once again to Safe Place for Men, and this is your male survivor, Resiliency Leadership Development Coach Thomas Edward, coming to you, of course, from Sacramento, California. All right, guys, it's been a while, and you're like, boy, this isn't the normal day that you usually do the podcast on, and yes, I've been busy, you know, working on some stuff and some different things, and so... uh, you know, I try to get these in, you know, when, when I can, when I have an opportunity, but it depends on, you know, how the coaching is going, you know, my day job and, and all the other different type of things, of course, that's what we call is life. But, you know, today I was, I was just thinking about something and I don't know if there are you guys out there that maybe invest, you know, whatever in, in the stock market. And so, you know, I was kind of just looking at my, you know, portfolio a little bit and I was just, just thinking, and I was just thinking about this kind of a analogy with this in life. And I just think about, wow, you know, what if I had invested in uh, Apple stock, like when they first started, like, you know, those so many years ago when it was like seven bucks, right? <laughs> then you look at, you know, where the price is today, where it's gone over the years. I'm like, wow, what a great investment that would be. And I started thinking about it from, you know, our perspective as survivors, because I know there's many of you that, you know, you're listening to the show, and you're trying to figure out, you know, if I'm going to do something, if I'm not going to do something, how am I going to work on these things, how I'm going to tackle all those different type of things. And I want you to, to think about this, especially if you've really been sitting on the fence for a while. What if you would have made that investment, let's just say five years ago, 10 years ago, two years ago? In other words, investment in yourself and, and getting help and, and working through the issues. Where would you be right now? Well, you know, here, here's the thing. Instead of asking that question, maybe a, uh, the answer is, well, what if I start now? Then where will I be, of course? Let's just say whatever, two years from now. And I, the reason I, I say that, because, of course, uh, we've had a great time with this last group. But, of course, the next Coaching session, okay, the next cohort, Courses and Coaching Session, is coming up April 19th. So I'm just saying, if you haven't signed up, right, it's it's four weeks of the Course and Coaching, then I'm going to say do it because there's always just a, a limited number of guys that we have to, to come in and to work with the, the program. So um, I don't know. Maybe this will be your Apple stock. Maybe by in investing in, and showing up fully that you'll be able to get some tools and some strategies that will help you to exponentially grow and work through some of the issues. So just feel free to go up to the website, safeplaceformen.com, and then just check on the course and coaching. But like I said, the next one's coming up on April 19th. So today what I want to do is I just want to share some with you, and I'm going to break this up into two segments. So uh, recently, so some of the things that are taking up my time is I'm, I'm being asked to do interviews and different type of things, um, you know, as people like, wow, you know, there's actually a male survivor coach out there who's actually helping male survivors. And um, so I was on this program called What Would You Tell Your Younger Self? So what would I tell my younger self? And so um, they did it, they recorded it. And so what I wanted to do is I just simply wanted to, to share that with you. 
man, it was great. Two guys that I've met, and uh, yeah, I'm hoping now that we're going to actually get to together and work with their audience and create a whole nother workshop uh, besides the ones that I have. And so I'm just really excited. So anyway, I just wanted to share that, you know, with my uh, listeners out there. And maybe there's something that you will hear that will spark you, like we said, to invest whatever it is where you are to start working and getting the help that you need. So, all right, guys. So uh, here it is without further ado. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Witness Podcast. I am your host, Rob. We're here with Crush, and our guest today is Thomas Edward. He is a coach with Safe Place for Men. We are very excited to have you on today, Thomas. So thank you. Thank you. Hey, and I love that name, Crush. It reminds me of my old time Crush Groove, which was a movie that was out like in the 80s. <laughs> oh, I love it. And that was a nickname. I, I wish I wish the nickname came from a cooler place. It actually came from Finding Nemo. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, that turtle was awesome. <laughs> he was a pretty rad the the fun little side story about that nickname is I think uh, Nick here forgot about it until I brought it back to light with this podcast. Uh oh, listen, it's not a it's not a name I hear all that often these days, seeing as how my frat days are so far behind <laughs> me. But uh... if it's traumatic, <laughs> we won't bring it up. No. Oh, no, thankfully they're most happy memories. Okay, <laughs> it was an endearing memory, so I'm gonna yes. run with it. Yeah, it's it's nice to hear the name. I've I've been so many different people since then. So. Yeah. All right, Thomas. Well, um, I'm going to give you the floor here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do with Safe Place for Men. Yeah, so thanks for having me on, guys. I really uh, appreciate this, and I really applaud you guys. This is one of those things that's kind of, say, out there in the universe, out there in the world that often doesn't get uh, talked about too much. So um, so I coach and I work with male survivors of sexual abuse, and so uh, those are clients that the sexual abuse may have taken place, you know, either during childhood, adolescent, or even adult. And, you know, when, when I think about this from the per perspective, it's really important. To, uh, sometimes people have called me the, the, the king of trauma, you know, and like, how is it that you're laughing and smiling after, you know, you know experiencing these things? But my uh, introduction into this world came from um, sexually abused from age 6 to 15, so into my teens, and I had nine different perpetrators, actually, uh, in my background. And within that background, uh, it wasn't just a sexual abuse, but, you know, I was tortured. So during the abuse, I would be cut with glass, burned with cigarettes, uh, those different type of things. Um, sometimes they call it, you know, boy trafficking. So it took place within family, outside of family. Um, so, you know, that's a lot if you want to say the main stuff. But then even part of trauma. So coming up, I grew up in Chicago, and this was during a time where there was a lot of racial tension um, that was going on. And so uh, eight years old, I was shot by a white supremacist uh, there in Illinois. And then uh, 2007, I'm walking across the street. I get struck by a car, flown through the air like 35 feet. Takes me a couple of years to, to deal with that. And so, you know, I'm kind of starting to embrace kind of that 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 king of trauma, whatever that's, that's going on and taking place, whatever in my life. But the wonderful thing about it is, is that not just through the coaching, but realizing that we can actually come back from things like that. 
And so, you know, that's what I'm here to share that ray of hope. You know, if there's someone else who's out there and they're, they're dealing with the things of the, the sexual abuse and they're dealing with different trauma in their lives, you know, there's just some certain things that I would have told myself, I'm going to say my younger self that I would have shared that I think could have helped, you know, pull me out maybe a little bit earlier. And the funny thing about it is like, even when I say this, these are things that I would tell my younger self. These are things that I still have to tell my older self and that I have to remind my older self. I'm going to say that uh, the capability, what is there, um, and attempts to sometimes we actually suppress, you know, some of these things. So, so thank you so much for allowing me this opportunity to share some of these things. Absolutely. It sounds like you have a lot to share. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I do want to just point out as well, you know, the, the king of trauma nickname and taking, I mean, such a broad range of horrible and traumatic experiences and finding humor from that. Yeah. Being able to use that humor as a coping mechanism, I think is something that should be pointed out because so many times the option comes either humor, helping or hate. Yeah. You know, those are kind of the three ways that people deal with these horrible things that happen. And it sounds like you've taken taking the humor and now you're going out trying to help, trying to help other people either get out or process what they're dealing with or what they have experienced. Yeah, no. And that's the thing. And, and what's so interesting, you know, when we think about it, it's like if I was talking to my younger self, like one of the things I would tell myself is to, and I've heard this before on you guys' show is, but make sure that you celebrate your failures because oftentimes, you know, when we try and we fail, we feel frustrated, we feel disappointed, we feel upset and we feel angry. And those are all okay emotions to to feel. And I always tell people, make sure you allow yourself to feel those emotions because it's therapeutic. It's therapeutic to allow yourself to feel them. The problem comes, though, when we develop, I'm going to say, uh, reactions that become roadblocks. When I'm working with uh, individuals, we'll say, hey, you know, have your reactions become roadblocks? And they're like, well, what does that mean? So reaction represents, of course, movement, movement in a direction. That means that something is happening because I react. And therefore, that means that there's energy inside. You know, energy is it's moving. It's moving in an outward direction. But oftentimes what happens is what we do is we suppress that energy. People are they're holding on to those feelings. They're holding on to that energy. And when you're doing that, what's happening is you're just causing a state of stagnation within. Now, just think about that. The energy is still inside and it's moving, but you're trying to suppress it. You're trying to, to hold it. And so then it becomes a, a roadblock and it shuts us down. And then that means that when we're shut down, we no longer attempt to try. And then I'm going to say that kind of leads to true failure. So instead of celebrating the failure, you know, it becomes true failure. Let me give you an example. So I was, I was coaching an executive. He's part of the Fortune 500 company. He was just, he, he was bombing big time, right? And so his organizational health index numbers were low, which just means he's, he's spiraling downward, right? So team morale is bottomed. His attrition rates, people are going in and out of the door. He can't hold his top talent, you know, so he's really having some issues. And he's, of course, he's responsible for the companies like Next Division, the product launch, all this restructuring, all these different type of things. And so the first thing I did when I started working with him, once I found out that there was, you know, abuse and stuff in his, in his past, I said, you know what, we're going to throw what's called a failure celebration party. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, we're going to throw a, a celebration, failure celebration party. So we had balloons, we had a nice dinner, and I had some of his close friends there. And what I had him to do, I had him to write down on flip chart all the failures, 
things that he felt that he had done wrong, whatever with the project. And then I had him to crumple them up and just throw them on the floor. By doing that, that brought to him what I'm going to say is insight, right? And so I was attempting to instill when we're talking about resiliency, that he actually had that resiliency to overcome those different type of things. And that was the first step that started moving him towards what he needed. Right. And so it was just celebrating those, those failures. And it's amazing how something so simple can be so powerful in your mind is just crumpling up a piece of paper and saying, I'm done with you. Yeah. And just sort of of that act of taking it out. Yeah, is that act of taking power over that thing. And now instead of mm. that thing kind of holding you down and, and like you're talking about being a roadblock, now you're saying, all right, no, I'm done with you. I'm throwing you away. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. learned everything I can from you. Yeah. And a lot of times we even when we're talking about what I notice, though, oftentimes when I'm doing, I call it deep coaching, is that oftentimes people don't realize the insights or they don't see the insights. And that's what I'm bringing to the to the table. Now, I always give people this idea when we're talking about the power of insights. And I said, okay, people have probably done this before. I said, go up and I want you to Google FedEx logo, right? And so I have them go up there and and do the FedEx logo. And then I say, now take a look and tell me when you see the arrow. And they're like, what? 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 I I don't see an arrow. And once you look at the logo once enough, long enough, you start to see, oh, there's the arrow, right? Within that FedEx logo. And what happens is inside is like that. It's like once you see it, you can actually never go back. And so then you have to decide now that I have that insight, what is the action that I'm going to take? And so that's what I was doing with him by having him to write those things, you know, on the piece of paper until they got to the point. Oh, now I understand what's holding me back. What's blocking me. Okay. So now that I know that, what is the action that I'm going to take? I love that approach. And sometimes that that little bit of direction and that little bit of guidance is is really all you need. Um, but without it, like you said, you're just kind of stuck. And it doesn't take much. It just takes a little encouragement. Yeah. Let me let me bring us back a little bit though. And I wanted to ask you. Sure. You went through so much, you know, through your younger years, and you said, you know, you thought maybe had you had a little bit of this guidance, you could have pulled out sooner. I'm curious to know, what was it that helped you turn it all around? What encouraged you to make something into a positive? And and in this case, now helping other people doing it. I'm just curious to know how you made that decision. Okay, so that comes from the story of an an actual friend. And so I was on the verge of, this is the thing I often tell people, um, and this is just, you know, my experience here. Because people say, how can you get to the point where, you know, life where you're, you're about ready to take your life and life doesn't mean anything to you. And I said, you know, the one lesson I've learned that pain can trump your values. Okay. When the, when the pain is really heavy, it can trump your values. So even though you value life, the pain can be so devastating, so hard that it trumps that value of life. And so that night I had decided, okay, I can't take the pain anymore. I'm not going to live in this world anymore. And so there was something inside of me that said that, oh, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody, but I'm going to go around to my friends and just, you know, spend a little time with them. And so I visited this one friend and I'm like, okay, this is the last friend I want to see before I no longer live here on this earth. And so I stopped by to to see him and he could see that something was wrong. 
And so he invited me in and, and we sat down and, and we talked a little bit and it got to the point where I couldn't hold it out. And so it's just, it's just coming out. All this stuff is starting to, to come out, you know, the, the trauma. And I'm sitting there, I'm crying, convulsing, all these different type of things. And so we're sitting there for about like four hours until the early morning. And then I'm like, okay, you know, I've got enough. So I got to go because I'm, I'm still going to do what I was going to do. I was going to take my life. And he's like, no, no, no. I, I think you just, you just need to need to stay here with me. He says, I just want you to stay here. Sleep on that, sleep on the couch. And he says, here's the thing though. He says, when you wake up in the morning, he says, this is the first thing I want you to remember. He says, I just want you to remember that I love you. That's it. That's, I just want you to remember that I love you. I was like, okay, okay, you know, whatever. And so I'm still in the game. I'm going to do it. And before he's like, he puts his arm around me. He holds me. He says, once again, he says, when you wake up in the morning, all I want you to remember is that I love you. So I was so tired, exhausted, whatever, you know, I, I went to sleep. And when I woke up in the morning, the first thing that came to my mind was there was someone that loved me. And that was my turning point for everything. Right. And those are really powerful words. And, and I know, especially, you know, when you've been abused or something like that, that L-O-V-E word oftentimes doesn't make sense because the way that it's been distorted for you. But what it means is, is that someone cares about you. And when I'm working with my survivors, I always let them know. I says, I know you may not understand this, I said, but I love you. And I said, if you just have to use the word that someone cares about you, that's what you need to know. And then that was my, my turning point from that, that moment on moving forward. It is interesting how sometimes it really just takes someone to give you that space to, to talk about and feel those things. Mm -hmm. And then to just reinforce it, like reinforce all of that with, I love you. You're valuable. You are worth every bit of this. And I just want you to know that. And I'm here. Yeah. And I know he was freaked out because he probably didn't know how to he didn't know how to handle anything. But and that's the thing, though. He gave me what he had at that moment and at that time. Right. And he wasn't he wasn't afraid to say that he wasn't afraid to say that, that I love you. I'm sorry these things happened to you. He didn't have a degree in psychology and stuff, which, you know, after this, that's what I did. I went out. It's like, OK, I got to understand this stuff. But he gave what he have, Right. And that's what I want to say to people, even if you're trying to help with you know, someone who might be doing something, give what you have. If it's just an ear to, to listen, you know, to give that, you don't even have to say anything, but sometimes just holding that space for people is very powerful and it helps. Well, and, and as we all know, you know, the actions are so much more powerful than the words. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to, I, I, for my mom and dad and brother listening right now, I don't take this the wrong way, but hearing I love you from them. Yeah, I, I, I knew it was true. I knew they loved me. I, there was no doubt there, but it was also something that I had heard for 20 years. Mm. And like you said, it just kind of becomes a word at that point. And again, there's feeling behind it. And I know that. But in my story, very similar to yours, all it took was one other person who didn't owe me that love. Mm-hmm. They didn't, you know, they weren't family. They weren't you know, close, close friends, they didn't owe it to me, but they showed it to me. And in that one moment, like yours, it was enough to give me enough self worth to want to be here. And I I totally get where you're coming from. And it's very powerful. Yeah, my saying around that when I'm working with people is that things often come from an outside source. Once you take them in, believe them and embrace them, then they become an internal force. And that's what it was for for me. 
hearing that I love you was coming from that outside source. But once I took it in, I believed it, I accept it. Then it became the internal force that started to move me. And I think if you if you'll agree, when you believe it from them, you start to believe it in yourself. Yes, yes. If if this person can love me this much to not want me to go away, maybe I can love myself that much too. Yeah, and that's the thing. It shows that we're all interdependent, right? I, I never buy into this whole idea of dependence because everything in the universe depends upon something else, right? Okay, sun, moon, whatever, because I believe that's kind of how things are wired, created, is that everything is meant to work together, to function, so no one is completely in the vacuum. And so oftentimes one of the issues for us as survivors is we're trying to do it alone. I mean, I think that's one of the big issues. We think that no one can relate. We think that no one can understand. And when we start putting that wall there, I think we're going against the way that we're created, which is for community. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I mean, at, at its core, all of our human relationships are just an ecosystem. Mm. It's just us using our resources and our experiences and our skills to support each other and to help each other through whatever the heck we're doing. Yeah. Day day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the other things for me was, you know, like I said, celebrating the failures. But then also, you know, uh, forgiving the failures. And so many times when I'm working with male survivors and stuff, and this is the thing, I'm, I'm really big about celebrating dysfunction. <laughs> so if you're like, what, 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 are they, what are they talking about? I'm really big about that. And because it just came to a point to me where there's so much, um, you know, guilt and shame that you're already holding on to. And it's like when you, when you actually celebrate the dysfunction, what you're saying is, okay, thank God for, I know the unhealthy whatever stuff that got me here, but I'm still here. And now I can start working on making it healthy. And so when we talk about celebrating, celebrating that, they're like, they're like, what? Yeah. Oh, I was an alcoholic, promiscuous, all these different types of things. I said, I know, but we're going to celebrate that because that kept you alive to this point where we can actually start working on things. Right. That's part of your story. Yeah. And no matter what your story is, it's worth telling and it's worth living. And yes, you can always do better. We can always do better, but that doesn't mean you need to beat yourself up and shame yourself for the things you did to survive. Yeah. There's enough people out there beating this up as it is. I was like, why do we need (laughs) more? Well, I'm just acknowledging the fact that you are fallible. You're a human being and you're not going to let those things stop you, but you need to understand that, it's going to happen and you need to give yourself a little grace from what, you know, from what you've done, but then to use it to grow, you know, learn from it. Yeah. And I find it, uh, you know, difficult. I'm going to say with, with this subject matter, because oftentimes and you see it in the news and, and things also where the victim actually becomes the scapegoat. Right. And so it, it's, it's interesting of the, the psychological dynamics and things that, that take place, you know, so oftentimes you're the person, whatever, who needs the help, but then oftentimes you're the person actually who's being blamed for it, even though it's not yours, right? It's really not your guilt. It's not your shame to carry. And the thing is, when this happens at an early age, right, and you're still in those developmental stages, you actually do, because that's how we think as kids. We think that the world revolves around us. So when mommy and daddy, whatever, are having issues, we think maybe it's because of something that we've done. When they get a divorce, we're thinking, oh, you know, what did... 
I do. That's just kind of developmental stages. And so for those that are like, well, man, my sexual abuse took place during my early childhood years. Why is it, why am I grappling? I know logically that it wasn't my fault. It was what somebody did to me. But you need to realize because of those developmental stages, oftentimes as kids, we think that the world revolves around us. And so we take that and we hold that. And sometimes that's the hardest uh, part to actually deal with. So you had your moment with your friend, mm-hmm. you found your self-worth, you realized at that moment that not only were you going to live, but that you wanted to. How did you then build that into helping the people that you're helping now and the, in the, um, you know, the organization <laughs> that you have now? So what motivated you to move in that direction? Okay, so when I started working towards healing, this was uh, something that was never talked about or barely talked about. So I had a really difficult time, I'm going to say, in community, different communities, religious communities, of actually trying to find help. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm going to have to create my own path and and figure out, you know, how to deal with this. So my first journey actually took me to China, took me to China to the Shaolin Temple. And so um, I'm there at the Shaolin Temple. And so because I did martial arts also. Uh, So I'm there at the Shaolin Temple there in China. And so I'm working with the monks. And the monks are doing what everyone now they've marketed, which is called sound frequency. And so they put me down in the middle of this room. It's kind of a round room. And they have these singing bowls, right? And so they start playing the, the, the frequency or the singing bowls, and it starts emitting a frequency. It was pretty cool. It was awesome. But what happens is by doing that, there were certain megahertz that were actually going inside my brain and helping me to recall some of those memories, those things that I actually couldn't remember concerning the sexual abuse, right? So I'm like, oh, wow, this is, this is cool, And from their perspective, uh, their idea was that when we talk about trauma and stuff, it's not just locked in the the mind, but it's locked, of course, in the body and in the soul, right? So all these things are intertwined and interconnected. So when I got back to the States, uh, that started, you know, the next part of my journey. And so I'm like, okay, so I went and I started learning about kinesiology, became a massage therapist so I could understand stuff that was going on inside the body became a certified hypnotherapist so I could understand what's going on in the mind. Uh, and then, of course, I get hit by the car and stuff. So I'm like, okay, I got to understand my brain and trauma. I can't cross the streets. So then I worked on a degree in psychology and counseling. So I was just soaking up stuff like a sponge to help me understand what was going on. But at the same time, I was actually healing and dealing with these different things by these different experiences. And so uh, what happened is... I think it was, uh, I was giving a, a presentation somewhere and I was just, just talking about this and people start coming up to me. They're like, do you do coaching or something for this? You, you know, and I, I'm like, well, I'm just sharing with you my journey and the things that have, have worked, you know, for, for me. And that's how it actually got started. How fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And and that must've been such a, such an affirming and reassuring thing of, on top of all of the vulnerability of experiencing these things and then putting myself out there trying to learn and heal and grow personally, now you're sharing it publicly. Yeah. People are coming to you going, wow, there's a lot of value here. Can you teach me? Can you help me? Yeah. What, yeah. what an incredible, empowering moment for you. Yeah. Yeah. 
And just even hearing you say that, I'm thinking like, wow, yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, it's it's let's let's I mean, let's just call it what it is. The the, the bravery, the self-awareness. I mean, just the, the sheer willpower to keep pushing through and saying, OK, I've put so much work into this thing and now this other thing happened and now I need to work on that. Yeah. And you're pursuing education. You're pursuing practical means. All of these different pieces of the puzzle that create who you are now and the way you interact with the world. It's just very, very impressive. Very impressive. All right, guys. So we will break it there. Like I said, it's an hour long. So I want to make sure that if you guys are, you know, you kind of working out whatever to the podcast and you're like, okay, my, my 20, 30 minutes are close to being up and you're on the treadmill or whatever. Uh, so uh, we'll just do the rest of it uh, next time. So make sure that you come back and we will pick up. Like I said, this was the podcast this was a uh, rob romance and crush i I love that name Uh, and so uh they work with you know what i tell my younger self and so there was a podcast had them on and like i said i'm looking forward to doing more stuff with them um in the future all right guys so here we are once again and i hope maybe there was something that was said that like i said it might inspire you to take whatever it is the next step that you need to to take, you know, to whatever, to make that decision. If you've been sitting on the fence, you know what, this is going to be the year that I'm going to, to do it. You know, and one of the things when I'm thinking about resiliency, you know, as uh, I was just thinking about, you know, sharing some of the things that I did. And it's just, you know, one of the things is just never giving up. And, and the reason I say that is because you just don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You know, sometimes I'm working with, with individuals and, you know, sometimes whatever for a workshop or something I'm like, oh, you know what, you know, you know, can we do it this way? Can we do it that way? And I'm just not just flabbergasted, but I'm impressed that they've decided they're not going to let anything stop them. And so they'll come up with like, can we, you know, are there some options to do it this way or, or that way? Can I, can I? And so that shows me that they're hungry. Uh, they're hungry to heal and they want to do that. And I love working with individuals that are on that path. All right, guys. So remember, safe place for men, place where you are not alone. Remember, it's a place, of course, where we're trying to do the best that we can to help you. And it's a place where you are loved and you are cared for. All right, guys, until our next week, we'll see you then.